his disciples. And he looked at Jesus as he walked by and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God. Now the two disciples heard him say this and they followed Jesus. And Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, Come and you will see. And so they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. One of the two, who had heard John speak and followed Jesus, was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother, Simon, and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. And he brought him to Jesus, and Jesus looked at him and said, So you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. We have no idea what happened that day that those two disciples, Andrew and another, spent with Jesus. They wanted to see where Jesus was staying, and and Jesus simply says, come and see. We have no idea what happened that day. He just invited him, come and see, come and see where I am. But by the next day, their lives had changed. By the next day, they were no longer following a prophet. They were no longer following John. They were following Jesus, and they declared him to be their Messiah, their Christ. They declared him to be their king. And the next day, other lives were changed. Suddenly, Simon, son of John, is no longer Simon, but now his name is Peter. And he has a new life. He has a new plan. So when we invite people to come and see, it's not about coming to see us. It's not about coming to see our building. It's not about coming to see our plans. It's about coming to see Jesus and what he is doing here. So after Andrew and this other disciple and after Peter meet Jesus, we read on and there's another come and see encounter just right there in the very next verse. John 1, continuing on in verse 43, says the next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee and he found Philip. He said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Seda, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael, and he said to him, We have found him of whom Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, Come and see. Jesus saw Nathanael coming towards him and said of him, Behold, an Israelite? Indeed, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael said to him, How do you know me? And Jesus answered him, Before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. And Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus answered him, Because I said to you, I saw you under the fig tree. Do you believe? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, You will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. You know, it wasn't uncommon for people in those days to be waiting for the coming of the Messiah. It was kind of like today. We have a lot of people today who are very interested in the second coming. Not just Christians, but all the time I hear people asking questions about the second coming. And they, they watch the news and they hear these reports of wars and rumors of wars. And they've heard a little Bible here and a little Bible there. And they, they ask you questions. Do you think it's coming soon? Do you think Jesus is coming soon? 
there were people in those days that were the same way. They were waiting for the Messiah. They were almost obsessed with the first coming. They knew the prophecies. They read the books. They had their preachers and their authors in those days too, just like we have today. They had their Hal Lindsey's. They had their Tim LaHaye's and all their others that, that had all these different theories and all these different plans about when the Messiah would come. They read books. They talked about it. They waited and they watched. And Philip knew that his friend Nathaniel was one of those who was very interested in the coming of the Messiah. And so he goes to him and he says, come and see. Come and see this man that we've met. We think he's the one that fulfills all the prophecies. It's Jesus of Nazareth. And you look at Nathanael's response in verse 46. Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Now Philip knew his prophecies. Excuse me, Nathanael knew his prophecies. He knew that the Messiah was supposed to come from Bethlehem. Remember? We talked about that a couple weeks ago. This thing right here. He knew the Messiah was supposed to come from Bethlehem. And, and you know, that was where the plan was. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can, can the Messiah really come out of Nazareth? Now, on top of that, Nathaniel was from one of those towns around Nazareth there in that area. And he knew about Nazareth. Nazareth was this little podunk town. There wasn't much happening in Nazareth. I don't know if you know a town like that. I'm not sure if you guys are familiar. Maybe, maybe you're thinking of, I don't know, Dudley, I don't know, something. There, there, there wasn't much going on in Nazareth. It was a poor town, and, uh, and poor people lived in Nazareth. There, uh, there was very little business in Nazareth. There were very little opportunities for people to make anything of themselves in Nazareth. And, and it wasn't just the economics, because along with the economics, you know, along with a, a depressed community like that, came these stories about Nazareth. That Nazareth, well, they weren't the best people. Those, those Nazarites, those Nazarenes there, they, they, they weren't the very best people. Morally, they were repugnant, you know. There was just some things about Nazareth that was, that was kind of seedy. They had a bad reputation. It was not a good place. No one went to Nazareth for anything. There was nothing that you could get in Nazareth that you couldn't find cheaper and maybe better someplace else. Nothing good came out of Nazareth. You ever heard of a town like that? Can anything good come out of Kansas? Have you ever heard that attitude? You ever heard anyone say something like that? Can anything good come out of, out of Kansas? Have people ever asked you that? Yeah, this, this has been a tough year for our community. It's been a very difficult year for Kansas. The economy's been bad. The school has been suffering. It's wonderful that we made the paper this, uh, this weekend. And, but if you notice, it was kind of like, wow, look, look at this. You know, here's a town where the school is, you know, the, they're having to rally together to try to save the school, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. And it, you know, it, it had its kind of negative spin to it there also, that some things aren't always good in Kansas. This year's been tough. The economy's bad. The school's suffering. 
And there's nothing that you can get here that you can't find someplace else. Probably even a little better. But I want you to notice, Philip does not address Nathaniel's prejudice against Nazareth. Philip does not address Nathaniel's prejudice. He doesn't say, you know, let me tell you about Nazareth. Nazareth is a pretty decent place. You know, he doesn't have a I heart Nazareth shirt on or anything like that. You know, he just, he doesn't address it. He doesn't even mention it. He doesn't challenge him. He doesn't defend Nazareth. What does he do? He simply says, come and see. Just, just come and see. You know, we're, we're not here to put anyone on the defense about who we are. We're not here to put anyone on the defense about what we have in this community or, or in this church or what we lack. And we're not here to apologize for Kansas. We're not here to apologize that Kansas doesn't have a whole lot going on. We're not here to apologize for the town. We're not here to apologize for our church. We're not here to apologize for past actions or, or attitudes. Those things are in the past. We're simply here to invite people, come and see. Just come and see. Come and see what God is doing here. Come and see what God is doing with us, in us, through us. And I want you to notice Nathaniel's response after he invites people to come and see, and after he comes to see, and, and after he meets Jesus. Look at Nathaniel's response in verse 49. It says, Nathaniel answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of of Israel. What he's really saying there is, you are everything that I've been waiting for. You are everything that I have hoped for. I want people to see that in Jesus right here. That he is what they've been waiting for. That he is what they've been hope, hoping for. I believe, I know that we have that to honor, or to, to offer them. We have that to offer people who come here. And I believe that Jesus will honor that kind of invitation. You know, it's not just about what's happening here. It's about what can happen to them. It's about what they can receive. Steve's going to come in just a moment, and he's going to share. He's going to share with us how inviting people to come and see is really inviting them to come and see Jesus and what he can do in their lives. Steve, come on up and share. Got to admit, you've never seen two cooler old dudes, have you? It's fun. <clears throat> come and see. What an un it's not really a unique challenge. But what an awesome challenge and opportunity. Turn with me, if you will, to John 4, 27. John 4, 27. John 4, 27. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or, why are you talking with her? So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me all that I ever did. 
can this be the Christ? They went out of town and were coming to him. We have a Samaritan woman living in blatant sin, coming to draw water in the middle of the day. And here we have Jesus, the King of the Jews, sitting there, waiting to see her and let her see him. You know, Samaritans don't interact with Jews and vice versa, especially the king of the Jews. But he met her at a public place, a place that's utilized by everybody. And he met her with a common message, or I'm sorry, he met her in, an, in a very engaging way, which is kind of common. We all engage people. But he did it with an uncommon message. First point I want to make is the woman is not a disciple. She's just a member of the community. And at that, she's not a pillar of the community. In fact, she was probably one of the more, or one of the less desirable ones. Just a common sinner. Second point, his disciples, those that knew him, were amazed that he would be engaging her. First thing, men did not usually engage women. One of the reasons... I, it was seen as a waste of time, as they had nothing in common, and it was better for the men to be studying the scripture and learning about God. So here we have a Jewish man, the king of the Jews, doing something uncommon, first of all, not talking to women in public, but also a Samaritan woman, and one of the less desirable ones at that. But Jesus did something outlandish. He'd blown the minds of his disciples. Those that knew him, the closer, the ones that were close to him, not the multitude, but one of those that were closest to him. And he blew the minds of the, disciples, of the multitude, the community at large. I think it's time for us to blow away the religious establishment, to blow away the community at large with an uncommon message and do it in an uncommon way. We were once common and just as filled with sin as this lady was. Now, we can say that, well, we weren't that lowly. We were more desirable than that. And I would challenge you, really, the Bible tells me that sin is sin. It's time that we look beyond that sin and tell somebody else about an uncommon message. And we engage the community the way Christ engaged this woman. What was so uncommon and mind-blowing? I want to go back to Scripture. Verse 29 and comes out of the woman's mouth, come, see, a man who might just be the Christ. Come see a man who might just be the Christ. What happened when Jesus took the time to show her, invite her, and tell him about himself and what he was doing in this world, in that community to make an impact? What happened? She, in turn, did the exact same thing. He told her about himself, and she, in turn, turned to everybody else and said, come see the man that might just be the Christ. See, come and see is not something new, but it's something powerful. It's uncommon. But when you do it, it gives birth to somebody else doing it. Did you know, what, did you know that you're part of something uncommon and mind-blowing in little, old, lowly Kansas? Can anything good come from Kansas? Well, come and see. Is anything good happening in Kansas? Well, come and see. 
God is moving in our church, and it's time for us to invite others to come and see. We have been equipped, and we have Sunday school classes that are very equipping, covering different topics than are normally discussed on some Sunday morning. We're doing different book studies. We're doing, right now, we're, we're teaching the Sermon on the Mount in one class. The Sermon on the Mount happened one time. It's unique. It's uncommon. Come and see. We have groups that are meeting regularly, learning and fellowshipping in one another's homes for house church. We have concerts plans, dinners, breakfasts, youth group meetings, prayer lunches. In the newspaper article that Brett was referencing, a young lady who's part of our community that goes to Oakland Christian Church decided that she was going to try something here along with my daughter, my daughter's friends, and about three or four kids got together and they decided, let's on every Wednesday, let's have lunch, a prayer lunch here for kids. Steve, what do you think? Brett, what do you think? Well, let's get together and let's come and see. And you know what's happened? Out of that, it not only made the paper, but we're averaging anywhere from 15 to 20 kids every Wednesday that get together and pray over their lunch hour. So new people that are moving into the community, come and see what our youth are doing. KCC, Kansas Christian Church, is a place where you can connect to Christ. It is a place where we can connect others to Christ. We have the hearts to fulfill the call. I believe that. But sometimes we don't have the voice to invite them to see our hearts and to see His. And I'm here this morning to tell you there are things going on in Kansas Christian Church that the community deserves to see and have the opportunity to take part in. Something uncommon and mind-blowing is happening at Kansas Christian Church. I see that we're on the precipice of some kind of a revival, whether it's personal faith, whether it's a corporate body. I think something's happening here. And it's time for us to offer it to the community it is time for us to tell our friends and neighbors about something uncommon and engaging. It's time for us to open our doors to the community and say, like Jesus did, come and see. Come and see. Such a simple invitation. Can you do that? Can you say that? Just say it with me. Come and see. see. Is there anybody you can think of in your life right now that you can just simply say, come and see. Just, just come and see what's happening. We're not making grandiose promises. There's, you know what I love about it is there's nothing confrontational about it. There's nothing difficult about it. There's no grand promises that you're making there. You're not saying, come and get saved. Come and get your life straightened out. You're not saying, come and hear an amazing preacher. You're not, saying that, right? You're not saying any of those things. You're just saying, come and see. Now, in response to that, in response to you making that invitation, I want to make a commitment. And I'm making a commitment here for myself, and they don't know it yet, but I'm making a commitment for our leadership and our staff and, and our musicians and everybody who's involved here also. I am making this commitment to you. We will do our very best to make sure that when you invite people, they will have the very best experience possible here. We will work hard. We are going to give it our all. We are not going to give a, a half-hearted uh, effort. We are not going to phone it in. We are not going to give less 
than our best, we want to offer worship and events and fellowship and celebration that you would be honored to invite your friends to. When Trish and I were in the Dominican Republic, one of the things that we learned, and we sat at breakfast on the last day, and we said, what, what have we learned this week? Because, you know, that's the kind of people that we are. And um, both of us are very interested in service. You know, Trish, from the restaurant point of view, me from the church point of view. We're interested in service and seeing how people serve and how do you encourage people to serve and how do you encourage people to do their best. The day we got to the resort, we were exhausted. We had been flying all day, sitting in those lousy airplane seats, you know, butts numb. It was, it was awful. And, and uh, we get in and we're exhausted. We both needed a shower and get our clothes changed, and we go down, and we, we go to, to have, uh, have some dinner that night, and we walk in. They, they took us to a chair, and took us to, to a table, and, and um, the waitress, I remember she said to us that as we sat down, she said, how are you? And uh, we said, oh, we're okay. You know, we're fine. And she said, no, no, no. You're not fine. You are excelente. And we were like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, we're, we're excellent. Today. That's all right. So the next day we come down for breakfast. And uh, we go in and they set us down. They say, how are you? I was like, well, we're doing good. You know, we'd gotten like nine hours of sleep the night before. Awesome. We walk in and he says, how are you? And we said, well, we're good. And she says, no, no, no. Excelente. And every day they reminded us that we were excelente. And we get to Friday, our very last day there, and we were so sad. We got up that morning, and we walked down to the beach and kind of tried to drag the day out as much as possible. And we walk into the, or walk into the, the restaurant, and she leads us over to our table, and she sits us down, and she says, And how are you? And you know what we said? Excelente. And you know what she said? No, no, no. Muy excelente. And we said, this is amazing. These people, because of the excellent service that they offer, because of the excellent way that they greet you, because of the way that they treat you, the way that they love to serve you, they had infused us, imbued us, they had filled us with excelente. So next Sunday, first Sunday of 2014, when I stand up here and I say, how are you? You are going to say... Excellent day. Say it just like that. Bill, you know this stuff. You know, you know that language. Bill is going to be muy excelente. Excelente in the way that we serve. You know, we believe that by doing that, what we're really doing is we're inviting people to come see Jesus. That by giving our best, by doing our best, we're inviting people to come and see Jesus. And, and when we do that, he honors that. Jesus shows up when you do that, and he shows himself to them. When you get to the end of the Gospel of John, when you get to chapter 20, you know, we've got this, this thread that works its way all the way through from the very beginning, from the very first disciples, come and see, to the woman at the well that, that, uh, that Steve showed us, come and see, to Lazarus in his tomb where Jesus asks, where have you laid him? And what do they say? Come and see. And they see this resurrection. They see this, this, this man come back to life. All the way through the gospel, we have that message, that theme of come and see. And when you get to the end, 
John tells us the story after Jesus' resurrection. In John chapter 20, verse 19, it says, On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, so Sunday evening, the doors were being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive any sin, if you forgive the sin of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Now, Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, he was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see his hands, in his hands, the marks of the nails, and place my fingers in the mark of the nails, and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. And although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. You see, what happens here? We've moved from inviting people to come and see. We've moved from that invitation where we say, come and see. And we've moved to the place where Jesus comes into their presence, into their lives, and shows himself to them. Showing himself to be alive, showing them the wounds from the cross, showing them what he gave them. And their response was to put their faith in Him. You have people in your lives who need that. You have people who need to know that. That you don't, you know, people that you pray for, people that you love, people who you are always answering their questions for them, and, and you, you're trying to get all the answers right, but you're never really sure exactly how to address some of their concerns and some of their questions. You don't always know what to say. You don't always know how to say it. So let's start simple. We like simple, right? All you got to do is say, come and see. Just come and see what God is doing. We're going to sing a song together. It's a new song to us. And Steve's going to come up here, and we're going to pretend we know how to sing. We're going to pretend we know what's doing, what we're doing. One of the things we've talked about doing is starting a really bad men's choir. Um, we thought that might be kind of fun. If anyone's interested in joining the really bad men's choir, we are not going to have any practices, no rehearsals or anything. We're just going to get up and make noise, and uh, no one's going to want to come and see that. But we think maybe it'd be kind of fun. It'd be fun. Sure, we'll have snacks. <laughs> we want to share a song with you. We want you to stand, and you know, we're going to make this song our anthem over the next year. It's just such, such a simple message. It's such a vital message. I think it's exactly where God has brought us. You know, God did not bring us through the fire so that we could get a new building. That wasn't his plan. God 
brought us through that so that we could understand his son better, so that we could have his son in a new way, so that we could experience that together, so that we could tell other people, just come and see. Just come and see what God's doing. So let's make this not just our commitment today, but let's make this our anthem for the year to come. Let's stand together as we